To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So this week on the podcast, I have back on my buddy, Josh Kirchner. So uh, Josh is a great guy. Uh, he's a diehard Western hunter. Uh, he's based out of Arizona down there and uh, hunts with both weapons, both his bow and his rifle. And um, he's just got really good, valuable insight into these Western hunting adventures. Uh, every season, he's hunting multiple states, multiple species, and today we talk about uh, getting over a failure. Like, uh, failure is a prerequisite to bow hunting, and it's also a prerequisite to being successful. Like, it's learning from our failures, and so uh, both Josh and I had a miss this season, uh, and so we talk about that and kind of how we digest that miss and how we get better from it. We also talk a lot about execution and, and um, about our mindset going into these shots. It's so much easier said than done to put a perfect arrow in an animal with all the pressure on. Uh, so that's what we discussed today. We also talk about uh, some of the opportunities down there in Arizona, talk about some of those late season bull tags and really good units. Uh, Josh is just getting ready to embark on one of those hunts on this podcast. Uh, I think he's finished up that hunt now, but um, it makes for a good discussion and uh, especially good as we're coming into tag and application season. So I uh, really enjoyed this conversation with Josh and uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy it too. I want to thank my sponsors for today's show. I want to thank Onyx. Uh, Onyx has absolutely changed the way I hunt and scout. I love that I can get uh, aerial imagery, topography, and a hybrid of both on their app. I can also catch or save maps before I go on my hunt, and that way I have uh, a map no matter if I have service or not. And the GPS in my phone works no matter if I have service or not. Um, it, it's just a, a game changer to be able to go on my computer uh, be able to mark waypoints, vantage points, color code them from places I've been to places that I, I plan to go, uh, and then have all that pop up on my phone in real time on the hunt. Uh, it allows me to look at these maps and adapt my strategy on a hunt um, to, to where I want to be going, and I'm always finding useful tools as they continue to evolve this app. Love like that tracking feature and steep terrain uh, to be able to get back to my camp. Uh, and that's no matter if I'm stuck in the snowstorm or in the dark. It has saved my bacon a couple times. One time in New Zealand in steep country. Uh, another time I remember hunting um, this canyon coulee country and I ended up miles away from my truck and this fog rolled in at night. And uh, I was really just trusting my phone. And if I wouldn't have had that, I uh, definitely would have been spending the night out without a sleeping bag or tent. Or it would have been a long night. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love OnX. If you're not a member, make sure to check them out. I also want to thank Cutter Stabilizers. Uh, cutter Stabilizers um, change the way the bow holds and also the reaction of the bow. Uh, they're made from carbon fiber. Uh, Earl has worked tire tirelessly to make these the best bars on the market. So uh, his connection points are rock solid. And having that carbon weight, it's really light. And so it puts the weight, uh, like the, the, the ounce weights, 
farther away from your bow, which really helps with the hold. But I love being able to fine-tune both my front bar and my side bar and change those weights and change the reaction of the bow and really fine-tune it. Uh, it just makes uh, uh, for a really good, forgiving shooting bow in the end. So uh, it, it's a step that I never miss on these bows, and I love these cutter stabilizers. Uh, he's got all different size bars. He's got weights. Uh, we'll be coming out with a sidebar bracket here soon. Uh, if you're in the market for any new stabilization bars, make sure to check out Cutter. And with that, um, make sure to check out everything we have going on over there at Eastman's. Uh, check out the magazines, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. Uh, if you put in the promo code ELEVATED321, that'll get you both magazines and an outdoor edge knife for $50. And um, make sure to check out our Beyond the Grid or Internet TV sh show. You can search on YouTube, Eastman's Hunting TV. And um, also check us out on the Outdoor Channel. You set your DVR for that. So we got some, some really good new episodes coming out. I think I've got three to four new episodes from this year. And I've still got a couple episodes to come out from last hunting season as well. So it uh, be really fun to see all those edited up. And um, just sent off my footage yesterday, uh, so sent it into the office there, and they'll start going through it. And um, so much great content to put out this year. Uh, also, make sure to check out our Instagram pages. Uh, um, check me out at um, Brian uh, underscore Barney, and then also uh, Eastman's Elevated uh, on Instagram. And um, also uh, check out TagHub, our internet research tool. Uh, so... That's what we've got going on uh, as far as me. Um, man, I'm pretty much wrapped up with these hunts. May do a desert hunt here late. Um, but yeah, just getting back to work and um, back to my training. Got in some good long runs. And now last couple days I've been um, working hard in the wind, trying to set some trusses and um, recording podcasts and things. And so i uh, been busy. I've actually missed the last couple days. So need to make sure I get out on a good run today. But uh, before that, man, I had a good stretch going on some some good long runs and um yeah just working with that bow and just trying to get back in the routine of preparing myself for next season so um you know putting in the work now uh just pays such dividends once it comes to hunting season so uh super excited starting to look at tags and uh, opportunities and trying to plan out my season scouting i spent a lot of time on onyx and that but um it is officially the off season for me what a season it was uh, so many great times there and um, great adventures. And so uh, I'm just fortunate beyond belief. So, um, man, and I've been recording some awesome podcasts, including today's. Uh, but I've just been getting some great ones that I'm really excited to release to you guys. And um, so I'm just going to keep on the recording and getting good guests and having these good, authentic conversations. Um, I love getting on these good public land hunters that are uh, you know, doing the same thing that we're doing. They're out grinding and working hard and putting in the effort. And, um, you know, so much of that comes down to just to, uh, the approach and mental toughness. And so I love discussing that stuff on the podcast. But yeah, some great conversations coming up, including today's. Uh, so this is Josh Kirchner. Uh, I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Right on, man. How's life? Good, man. How are you? Yeah, good. It's been busy here. It's always busy during hunting season, it seems like. Um, throw another endeavor in the mix, you know, with work and family and everything else and um, keeps a guy hopping. 
Oh my goodness, dude. I know. I feel like I'm trying to fit 10 gallons in a five gallon bucket. <laughs> Good. I'm not the only one, huh? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it, it really is a balance, right? You know, especially, you know, you want to try to be a good dad and stuff and, um, you know, be there for family, but also be productive and do the things that you want to do. Oh, it's so tough. You're right. It's such a balance. Like, uh, thank goodness we've got good wives that take care of a lot of stuff as well. But yeah, it is. It's, um, you know, just trying to, to, to be present too, uh, when you are home, you know, and not be thinking about the next trip or what happened on the last trip and, um, man, it's, it's definitely a balance for a, for a backcountry do it yourself or. Oh, absolutely, man. I try to I, like, it is super hard and it and is different now. Like, um, I have a kid, I have a daughter now, so life is definitely a lot more busy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I have to like be very intentional about, you know, um, I need to, I need to make sure I set time aside for that, you know, and, and not, cause I have a, I have a habit of, you know, I'm obsessive about things and, um, you know, something's on my mind, you know, like I'm like missing that deer, what I was texting you earlier in the season, you know what I mean? Something like that. It'll just like eat away at me. And I just want to try to fix it right away and it wears on me. And so oftentimes I'm home, but my mind is at a different place, you know? Um, so, but that's, that doesn't bode well for being a good dad. You know, I gotta, (laughs) gotta be there for the kiddo and, and do house chores and, you know, not completely wallow in my own tears from, (laughs) from archery season. (laughs) Dude, so true. Like, uh, you gotta work hard to be present. It doesn't come naturally. And even though, you know, like, I love my kids more than anything, more than hunting, more than um, any of my endeavors. Like, it's still, like, I have to work hard to be present because my mind's always racing. I'm always thinking about, you know, this issue or these things I need to get done or things I need to get ready, the next trip or the last trip. Or like you say, those, those misses are just crushing for us guys. And especially, like, I know the work that you put in. Like, I, you are constantly working to better yourself. And, and these backcountry tests, like, they mean a lot to us, you know, to be able to get the free time and go push our limits. And then when you come up short, like, um, you know, and I'm only saying it because I came up short this year on a big Colorado trip, man, it just crushes me. I just, I can't help it. You know, it's like, I try not to let it bother me. And I know, like, I can't let it eat away at me. Like I've got to, I've got to get back on the horse and I've got to get out there hunting. And I know I'm a good hunter and I know I can close the shot, but dude, it just crushes me. Do you know what it was? What? When you, like, when you, when you missed, do you know what happened? Yeah, yeah, so, like, it was a combination of things, so I had snuck on this buck, just this epic stock, I came over, like, this 13,000 foot peak that took me a couple hours to work around, and I'd been hunting this buck for five days, and this was finally my chance, and I got in there, and I set up uh, where I thought he'd feed out, and then, like, pretty soon, I see two bucks, his two running mates, and they're feeding out, and they feed right down below me. And so I'm kind of sitting on this rock. I'm self-filming. So I've got my tripod and my camera. So I've got to reach up and hit record. And so I record as these first two bucks come up. And they're out for like 10 minutes. And so finally, when they're not looking at me, i got to reach up and turn my camera off and get ready to turn it on when the big buck comes out. And um, 
one of the four points beds right in front of me at like 35 yards. And I just can't ever move when they're looking in my direction. So I'm on this rock. And um, finally, the big buck comes out. I'm able to finally hit record, but I can't shoot this thing, even though he's well inside my bow range and he's broadside, because I've got these other deer that'll be looking in my direction or head up looking my way, and I don't want to alert him of my presence. So, like, I spent 30 minutes, like, in this position on this rock, like, trying to wait for my shot. And um, it's a steep downhill angle. The buck finally feeds over. I had a range at him at 52 broadside, and then he fed over and then had him like at, at um, uh, 42 right in there, clicked him with the rangefinder. My pin set to 52, so I figure I'll just shoot him next pin up because I've got a five-pin slider. So with my bottom pin set at 52, my next pin up is set at 42. And I mm-hmm. ranged the buck right at 42. And... Um, Man, I was just twisted up on the shot. I was sitting on the rock, and he ended up way right of where I was, and I I drew back, and it was a steep downhill sitting on the rock. I was twisted up, and um, I executed my shot there, but my pin was all over his body as I was pulling on my shot, and um, I grazed him right over the top of his back there. Um, so... Like, what did I do wrong? Like, it was an awkward position. I mean, I was so cramped up from 40 minutes of trying to hold still with these bucks. And then as I get back and I start shooting my bow at camp, I notice that things are a little bit high. And I had hiked in in an absolute torrential downpour. So strings got (laughs) wet. Like, everything got soaked. And um, I could only shoot one arrow at camp. It was, like, real rocky. And I tried to shoot arrows that week, but I could only shoot, like, you know, I shot one and buried it into a stump and lost my insert, shot another one into a rock. And so in both test shots, shot high. And when I went back to camp, I shot high. Now, as I went home, my bow was shooting high by about two yards or so. Now, I still should have hit the bucket 42 I think it's just a combination of being twisted up, having my bow shooting a little bit high, like like the whole deal, you know, trying to self-film. Like, I, that's more of an excuse than the actual reason I missed. So to tell you the truth, like, I, I know why I missed. My bow was set high, twisted up, just a tough shot. But there isn't one thing that I can pinpoint that I did this wrong. You know, I didn't execute my shot or I didn't yeah. do – like, I went through my steps and my stages. It's just like – you know, it's one of those arrows in the group. Like usually your arrow at an animal is your worst arrow in the group as you're out practicing, and that was the case on that shot. So long-winded, but that's that's what went wrong for me. What about you? Yeah, no, that's that's why I wanted to, you know, because you put a lot of time in, and, you know, whenever, uh, you know, misses happen or bad hits, generally – somebody that puts a lot of time in has an idea of what happened. So that's what I was curious about. And that's what really eats away at you because when when you know what happened, you're like, Oh dang it, dude. Like something so dumb like that. Like, why did I do that? You know? So for me, I, I, um, you know, found this great buck. It was the last evening, um, of our, of our trip. We, We were packing out the next morning. So it was all in, and uh he he goes and he gets up from his bed and he walks down into a cut so i <clears throat> i'm like well i think he's just going to go feed you know he's not going too far so i went around and relocated him and he bedded again um 
he was in a good spot, you know, had like a cliff above him and stuff, just a perfect setup. And so I get around, I get on top of him, and right when I come over, he's up feeding. I see his antlers and stuff. I don't have a shot, though. He's at 60 yards beneath me. Um, and then he rebeds again, and there's a tree between him and me. So I was standing above this buck for about an hour, um, you know, just waiting. The sun's starting to go down and stuff. And uh, finally he walks out broadside just like he's supposed to. And I draw back and, dude, I was completely just not in my shot sequence. Like, it was I, – I don't know if it was the weight or – you know, it was the end of the trip and stuff, and I hadn't flung an arrow yet. I don't know what it was, but I just wasn't in it in there. And I ended up, you know, putting my pin on him. And just like you, how your pin was dancing all around on the buck, mine too, you know, <laughs> that thing was dancing all over the place. And uh, I executed the shot, and the shot felt good, but it went way right. And I was like, what the heck just happened? You know, um, and, you know, Buck runs off and uh, after sitting there and thinking about it, I was like, holy crap, I don't think I leveled my bow. And sure enough, I recreated the shot and, um, you know, went through my shot sequence and leveled the bow. And it felt I was like, that is not how that last shot felt at all. Um, I was basically just going off of, you know, feeling instead of looking at the bubble and once I leveled the bow, I mean, you, you know, like you, you have to like cant your bow into the hill, you know, and it feels like you're not level, but you are. And, uh, which accounts for me missing, right. Because that meant I was canted to the right. So oh. that, that's what happened with me, man. Um, it just, and I look back at that and it's like one of these stupid things, you know, <laughs> like, it's like, dang it, man. Like, something as little as that like just you know didn't come out heavy because of that oh man yeah uh, same thing on my shot on that buck it was so awkward when i drew back and i had to level like i had Mm -hmm. to move my cam like six inches you know it it, like you were saying it feels really awkward but yeah it totally accounts for the miss dude that that bow canted to the right like that you're definitely gonna miss to the right like no doubt about it and like you said it's like one simple step and you work so hard for that opportunity like you were saying towards the end of the hunt backpack hunt like you guys were all in going for it and you're working so hard to get this shot and man you miss one of those one of those steps in your sequence and it, it accounts for a miss and it's you know it's a bit like being in a car wreck like when you get a shot at an animal like trying to remember everything but i I think that's the most difficult thing and it you know it's not talked about enough but staying present in your shot process like when you get that chance in an animal and I think that's like the the next level like when you when you really start consistently executing on animals it's being able to stay present in that shot sequence and I think it's you know it's like you said you know you're working to get that shot standing above them for an hour and same thing for me i'm waiting for this buck i'm waiting for nothing to look at me i'm so focused in in this 
present moment that I that I'd lose sight of that shot process or I, I yep. and you almost have to remind yourself throughout the hunt throughout the stock that no matter what I'm going to execute a good shot no matter what I'm going to walk myself through my steps I'm going to draw I'm going to uh, uh, center my peep level put the pin where I want it and now I'm going to pull 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 until that yep. shot breaks and when you do that they die you know but Gosh, yes. you miss one of those simple <laughs> steps in there, and um, it it's really easy to miss, and it's it's um so tough to swallow when you shoot ten thousand arrows a year to get ready for that one shot, and then you get your chance and you duff it. And us as hunters, we pride ourselves at being clutch in those moments. So when we're not clutch, um, it stings pretty bad. It cuts pretty deep. Oh, dude, it, yeah, absolutely. Like, think back on all the practice that, practice arrows that you fl- that you flung, and like that becomes, um, you know, some, something that I took from that hunt was uh, into my practice was I I've been really trying to now be very present in my shot sequence, whereas before it was. It was muscle memory, and that's all fine and dandy. Muscle memory is fine, but when you get into like a like a clutch situation, muscle memory I feel like will only take you so far. And I feel like really trying to focus on your shot sequence will keep you present in the moment, right? Like it gives you something to think of that isn't the deer standing in front of you, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, so that's what I've been trying to do, man. Like, like once I got back from that Utah hunt, I've just been like, just a very simple, yeah, like I've always had the same, same shot sequence, but I've been trying to like think of it every time I uh, draw my bow back now, you know, whether I'm shooting at a target or at the, at the range, you know, with my buddies or whatever, like that, that is what I've been trying to focus on to try to stay in it. So, um, you got an elk hunt coming up here. I'm leaving in like three days so hopefully uh hopefully that'll all work out with that with that new mindset oh right on dude you got a, a late season tag huh yeah, yeah yeah i'm excited man i it, it's it you know it's a tag that gets kind of overlooked here in uh in arizona um uh i'm basically i'm hunting these bulls down in the desert man like i was out scouting the other day found a really nice six point that was pushing his cows around down in the prickly pears you know like <laughs> I mean, it looks like Havelina country. Um, so, and I just love it. You know, I, I hunting bulls down in there, you know, I usually have it to myself cause most of, most people are going up trying to hunt them in the trees and stuff, but, um, it's fun, man. Just glassing and, um, you know, you know, you're basically just hunting them like mule deer, you know, and I mean, they're not bugling, but you're getting to hunt the same bulls like this unit that I'm hunting in. You'll have to wait especially as a non-resident i'm probably 15 20 years to draw this unit for a september tag you know but um in november you know i i drew it last year too so (laughs) man um yeah i uh, dude i'm so interested in those late season like uh post rut bulls and especially like you say the units that you get to draw you wait a lifetime to try to draw a unit like that during the rut so you get to hunt these really good units with really good bulls in them it's just post rut in a tougher season and uh, i definitely want to talk about that i just want to return back to that shot process because i think what you're talking about is so important um 
like this is the next level for me. Like like you were saying, I can't let myself go to auto autopilot. What happens yeah. in autopilot when I'm not thinking or I'm not present in my shot? Uh, what happens is that I'm so hard. I'm trying to get this shot. And what I end up doing or, or my biggest mistake or like uh, the hardest thing for me to get over over the years is to uh, execute that shot. So like I'll, I'll finally get on that animal and I'll draw back and I'll just go to autopilot. My brain isn't thinking at all and I go back to this muscle memory. But the minute that my pin finds that body in those vitals – I have like this instinct to punch my trigger off, even though 100% of my shots in the off season, I would never punch a trigger. (laughs) Um, So it's like, I can't let myself go to that autopilot and not that I didn't kill a bunch of animals punching my trigger because I did. And, and it depends, you know, there's a bunch of ways to shoot an animal and command shooting your release is not a bad way to go. As long as you can aim your pin and you're good at command shooting, it's not a bad way to go. But for me, it's not the most accurate shot I can make. And I've dedicated myself to making this this accurate shot, which is, um, you know, like a like a back tension shot to pull, pull, pull on my release until the shot breaks. I shoot better groups that way. I shoot more accurate that way. And I practice that way. But I had a hard time transitioning that into animals because in the excitement, I'd go back to this muscle memory. Pin would find body and I'd make a shot. And I killed a bunch of animals doing it. But I'm just not as accurate, not as precise, not able to, like, really pick that hair, pick that spot. And so, like, you know, I started down this path of, like, trying to, like, how do I execute on animals like I do on targets, you know? How do I make myself be present? And just like you were saying, talking yourself through the shot, being present in that moment, and it's something I can never forget. Like, if I... If I lapse in it, like, you know, like I had a great bow season and there's a bunch of animals that died from my arrows this year and I executed a bunch of good shots. But that doesn't mean like the next hunt that uh, that I that I won't revert back to this autopilot if I don't keep present in that moment and if I don't commit myself to that shot and executing a good shot. And I really think that's like the next level of bow hunter is when you can uh, execute uh, a really quality shot in the excitement in that moment like that's what makes you clutch and and that's when animals really start to die and you know that that miss was probably the best thing for me like i took a good nevada buck before that but after that miss like and and i didn't do anything wrong in the execution it just hurt me you know it was just like yeah. man i just wanted i just know that i can execute a better shot and i had a bunch of season left and reset my brain and uh, you know, all of a sudden able to put down a good bull, good late season muley, good antelope, you know, like season came mm-hmm. together for me. Um, but, um, yeah, just staying present in that moment, like you were saying, not letting yourself go to autopilot. And you just have to, like, constantly talk yourself through it on the stock, on the hunt, just remembering that when I get my chance, I'm going to execute my shot because there is nothing finer in this world, at least for guys like me and you, than releasing a perfect arrow into that animal, man. It's just, it means the world to us, you know, and it it's way easier said than done. Like, it's easy to, to talk about it right now in our comfortable houses and think, oh, I'm going to get the next one or what, but it is so difficult in the field with a giant six point like you're about to go for he's standing broadside to execute that perfect shot and put that arrow right where you want it man that's the ultimate yeah no it's it's unpaired it's unbeatable man um that you know what you were saying though about like 
it was the best thing for you. I, I feel the same exact way. I mean, as bi- I mean, it was bittersweet. You know what I mean? As 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 crushing as it was to watch that that like hard earned arrow just harmlessly sail past that deer <clears throat> in Utah. Um, I came back and uh, I have I was telling my buddy the other other day I was like, dude, I have never felt like more dialed you know, than I am right now because, because of that, you know, like, yeah, yeah, didn't get the deer, but got something else from it, you know, that I feel like is going to, that is going to fill a lot of tags in the future. So yeah, man, blessing in disguise, I think. Dude, that's such the right mindset. It's like our, and I had to look at it that way too. Like I'd love to have that giant velvet buck that I was chasing for seven days in the end or five days when I got the shot, seven days in total. But in reality, like my goal in life is to become the best bow hunter that I can be. And you you learn way more from your failures than you do your successes, you know? And so like the, the failure, it drives you to become better. It drives you to work harder to, to create that opportunity again. So, um, man, you just got the, the perfect mindset, not a doubt in my mind that, you know, definitely going to equal filled tags in the future. Yeah. And I, I, uh, it, it was, it was, it was rough, you know, but like, I, I feel like it's, that's definitely, you, you got to kind of walk into stuff like that. And I feel like, you know, doing the whole thing where you're trying to like stay in your process. I feel like that also lends to, um, we usually have more time than we think we do. At least I I don't know about you, but like when I, when I'm in front of a critter, um, like that deer, for instance, you do, you were talking about like, you feel this like urge to punch. And I think that comes from this mindset of, Oh, I got to get this off now or I'm not going to get it. But in all reality, like, no, you, you probably have a lot more time than you think, you know, like the animal, especially if the animal doesn't know you're there. Right. Like, like if they don't know you're there, well, just let them do their thing, you know, and, and really wait for that. Just take, what does it take? Two seconds to be like, okay, hold on. Let me level my bubble. Let me, you know, make sure I'm I'm in my peep, I'm anchored good, I'm not putting too much pressure on my face, you know, and just start executing your shot. That's not we're not talking ten minutes here, you know what I mean? This is seconds. Um so I think that I think that's valuable, man. Oh, you're so spot on. Like, um, you know, it does no good to miss fast. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I like I like walk around and I just think to myself, either I'm going to execute a shot properly and kill that animal or I'm not going to shoot. And you're right, dude, the, like the difference between a good and bad shot is is probably not even two seconds. It's probably not even a second. It's just being present in that shot. You're probably talking about milliseconds to be able to execute a good shot. And so, like, it's almost like this change in mindset that no matter what, I'm going to execute a good shot. And if that animal doesn't give me the time to execute my good shot, it wasn't meant to be. They like say I, I had... Uh, I have no desire to miss fast. Like that just doesn't, yeah. you know, and sometimes they're looking at you and sometimes like you're right. Like you feel that pressure that this is your opportunity. you got to get the shot now and you're working so hard to get a shot and you can't kill an animal unless you're shooting at them. But in that same breath, like the animals that you kill, 
um, you know, they're probably going to stare in your direction till your shot executes, whether it's a good or a bad shot. Like it, you just have to walk around with this different mindset of I'm going to execute properly and do my part. And if the animal doesn't give me time, then it's not meant to be. But, you know, I'm not going to hurry or rush my shot and, and rush to miss because I, I hate missing and it cuts me deep, you know, so I'm going to I'm going to execute properly on my side. But you're right. I think we we have more time than we think. There's like this. Man, it's just like this immense pressure, like this uh, this fleeting moment that this animal's going to move. He's going to get out of the way. He's going to get it so he's not broadside or whatever the case is. And you're right. Most of the time, you, you have time on your side. And animals look and stare in the direction of danger for minutes sometimes. And, you know, I know I've been frozen for 10 minutes before, you know, in bow range with them staring in my direction. So uh, you have time. And... You know, like you say, the difference isn't but a second of making a good and bad shot. So you just have to commit to always making a good shot. And, you know, dude, I think the same thing, like I know we're talking about bow hunting, but I think the same thing can like transitions into rifle hunting as well. Like I just got back from a bear hunt uh, in early October and the bear that I killed, um, Dude, it was the same thing. I was like, we've, you know, we've been waiting all day. Finally, this giant boar walks out and it's like, oh, we got to get him. We got to get him. And, it, and I I was like, dude, I'm just, I don't feel steady, you know? And I, like, I took a lot of time to really like check this bear out in the scope and like really pay attention to how much my crosshairs were dancing around on him and stuff. And like, I didn't squeeze the trigger until I felt like absolutely comfortable. And I really think that was because of that archery hunt because because of what happened you know being like take the time you know like you do your job do your job as a hunter you know and and execute a good shot and i you know i made a good shot on him one shot and he was it was lights out you know and i think that i really attribute that to that to that mule deer hunt that i went on with my bow dude 100 percent. do you spot on congratulations on that bear by the way what a stud bear and down on the desert floor dude that's insane Dude, thanks, man. Yeah, that was the I have I have uh, always hunted in October. So my thing in October is always I'm usually focusing on acorns, so I'm usually hunting them a little higher. But um this year, you know, it just uh it just wasn't happening too much in the acorns, man. I mean, there was acorns, but um the prickly pears was where it was at, you know. We we I hunted, I backpacked into an area um a few days before that, uh, just an area that I thought was going to be just a dead ringer. You know, I'm like, I'm going to be drowning in bears back here. And, uh, that wasn't the case. I turned up one small boar, um, way high up. He looked like he had an oak patch all to himself. Um, but other than that, I just wasn't seeing the food that I, that I was thinking I was going to see. So I, I backed out, packed out of there and um, my buddy and I ended up checking some lower country, and the first evening, just this giant boar walks out in the pears, you know, just gorging himself on pear fruit. And uh, we got set up on him, and we couldn't we couldn't get to him that we we couldn't get a shot on him that evening. We were we were set up on him, but he ended up bedding behind a, a pear patch <laughs> like until after dark, and then obviously he walks out after dark, you know, perfect broadside, but. Um, so we went back in there the next day, actually ended up seeing somebody try to uh, kill a sound cub, which was, that was kind of it. That was interesting. 
Um, <laughs> Jeez, that's a little disturbing, huh? Yeah, dude, it was gnarly. Like, I, I saw this bear walking up the hill, and I was like, oh, sweet, there's a red bear over here. I'm going to go try to, you know, get a closer look, and I go, you know, I, I, I uh, get over there, and I'm like, oh, dang it, there's a cub with it. Um, so I just get my camera out, and I'm, I'm getting footage of the bears, you know, and uh, all of a sudden, I'm looking at this bear in my glass, and I hear a gunshot, and I was like, huh. Oh, someone must have shot a bear down the canyon, you know. Well, I keep looking at this bear, and then all of a sudden I start seeing dust fly up around the bear with the the gunshot. And I'm like, holy crap, dude, this guy's trying to kill this sow. Um, granted, like, you know, try to give people the benefit of the doubt, right? Like, at the time, this, the cub was well hidden. Like, that's no excuse, but, like, things happen, right? Um and uh, the sow runs, and uh, pretty soon, I think the guy missed six or eight times. Uh, the Those last shots, the cub was right with the sow, like standing right next to the sow, and the last shot was like a foot over the cub's back. And uh, just really disgusting, you know what I mean? Like I, <clears throat> I ended up pulling out of that hunt early in the morning and tried to go get the guy's license plate number because I knew where he was parked. And uh, he was gone by the time I got there. He was in and out quick early in the morning. Uh, you know, I, I talked to the Game and Fish and, you know, reported him and stuff. And uh, that was a bummer, man. We just we were just kind of down. We went and we went back into town, got some breakfast and coffee just to kind of regroup um, and then got back in there that evening. And the big boar we were we were waiting on walked out and uh, I ended up we ended up killing him. So. It was a uh, a nice ending, but that that whole poaching thing right there in the middle was definitely a sour note. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, like you say, you like to give hunters the benefit of the doubt, and there's nothing wrong with shooting a sow, um, you no. know, bear, because they are tough to identify, and, um, you know, that happens. But, you know, it's like you try to lay off the sows with cubs, or like a, all of us bear hunters lay off sows with cubs and identify correctly and make sure we know our target, and that's not the goal. Um, you know, and, and also, you know, bears are a low population species and, you know, predators have to be controlled as well, but they put those rules in place for a reason, you know, it takes those bear mm -hmm. cubs quite a while to, to get to maturity and bears in general, it takes them a long while to get to maturity. And so, you know, that's why they have rules in place that you can't shoot sows with cubs. And, um, there's just no excuse for that. Like I can see somebody making a mistake and shooting one where the sow's not around or maybe get excited or something and um, don't yeah. give it the time to identify. But there's no excuses. It's running away with its cub and you about hit the cub. Uh, like there's yeah. no excuse for that. But um, but uh, back to your original point, I, I definitely think, man, you are spot on. Like the reason why you executed good on that bear is because of that – that bow miss and it's the same thing with a rifle like i think it's another level to a bow and being that close but it's the same thing yeah. with a rifle in the execution and i've seen a bunch of capable shooters miss really easy shots with the rifle and it's that same thing of those crosshairs find the vitals and jerking that trigger or just not being steady like you like way to be present in the moment and realize hey my crosshairs are moving around like i got to get a different shooting position or uh I've got to breathe here. You know, I'm not going to just squeeze a shot to squeeze a shot. I want to put it in the right place. And you stayed present in that shot. 
And um, it's way easier said than done to execute a good rifle shot, but being a bow hunter makes you an extremely good rifle hunter, you know? And yeah. <laughs> and definitely, like, that was, you know, it, um, you know, I'd uh, rifle hunt with my girls or my dad or whatever, you know, and, and able to talk them through shots better, you know, uh, able to squeeze the trigger and keep them present in the moment. And I know it's been a long time since I've... Uh, you know, like I've been bow only for a while, but I noticed that, you know, when I really started commit to commit myself to my bow, my rifle shots, you know, they became a, uh, they they became easier to execute a good shot. Now all of a sudden I could stay present in my rifle shot and I could get set up and mm-hmm. I could let those crosshairs swim around those vitals as I squeezed on the trigger instead of trying to choose now, you know, and trying to make it go. Um, right. So there's no doubt in my mind that 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 bow miss and you like evaluating everything, staying present in the moment, like that's the reason you were able to make that rifle shot, man. And and it's not easy to do. It's like um, you think um, uh, people think with you're walking around with a rifle, it's an automatic. It's not. You still have to execute a good shot. You still got to stay present in that moment. And like I say, I've seen a lot of good hunters miss a lot of easy rifle shots that are well inside their capabilities. And I've watched them totally miss the animal, you know. It's that the the buck fever is real, like whether you got oh, a bow dude. in your hands or a rifle. Oh, dude, I was shaking like a leaf on a windy day, man. Oh, he's a <laughs> great bear, dude. I can see why. Like, it's why we do it. Like, there's something there's there's something in our DNA. There's something that's tied back to our ancestors. The reason we survived as humans is is because we were able to procure meat and that excitement comes from the chance to procure that meat and there's something tied to our DNA like there's no feeling like it like I haven't gotten an adrenaline rush like I do when I'm bow hunting or when I'm rifle hunting or whatever the case you know when you're gonna get a shot like that adrenaline rush like that's that's hardwired in our DNA from some point in our ancestry you know it's like um there is something there that's unparalleled in anything else in life at least for guys like me and you Oh, dude, I'm telling you what, like when that moment, because there's a moment, right, like where you go, oh, this is going to happen right now. Right there, it's as if like your heart hears that and just starts beating your chest, man. <laughs> <laughs> dude, it's so true. And I get excited hunting with other guys, but it's wild how the excitement comes from when you know you're going to get a shot. Like, I can be hunting with my buddy, and we can be hunting a good four-point buck or a good six-point bull, and if I'm not the guy shooting, you know, we've already decided he's going to shoot, man, I can just keep so calm and collective, and, you know, I can be the, the calm one in the group to make decisions. And But it's wild when you're the shooter how much more that adrenaline affects you. All of a sudden, it gets tough to walk. Like, it's tough to sneak. Like, you're, like uh, you know, it gets tough to execute. Like, that, that adrenaline rush is real, and you're right. It comes from, like, knowing you're going to get a chance and going to get an opportunity. And I, I really think it's, like, tied to our DNA somehow like because that that adrenaline rush is is uh unreal yeah no there's not there's nothing like it man that was uh and for me i know about you uh so when i'm like stalking an animal um i tend to not get as worked up like like say like for instance like if a deer like coos deer for instance like coos deer i do a lot of uh like run and gun spot and stalking for them during the rut. I don't, I don't uh, really wait for those things to bed down at all. If I see a buck rut and does, I just head over there and try to get in the mix of them. Um, 
when I'm doing something like that, I, I'm so like hardwired on trying to be quiet and not be seen and stuff like that. And the, the, the adrenaline part of it kind of is not really in the mix too much because I'm so focused on something else, which I think is directly related to what we were talking about, about like your shot sequence, like you being focused on something else can kind of like mitigate that, that uh, the shakes, you know, uh, and the adrenaline rush. But when I, dude, when I'm sitting there and like whatever it is, you know, whether it's a bear or whatever elk comes to, to me, <laughs> I, that's when I start shaking, man. I like ambush hunting is like really, and it's not like you're not, I'm not saying just sitting in a tree or anything like that, but if you'd like stalk into an animal and then, you know, you get to that point where you're like, okay, I'm just going to wait here for them. And then all of a sudden they start working their way towards you. That's what gets me fired up, man. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like I, I, I start shaking a lot. Yeah. I, um, I do pretty good, but I think like in the beginning of the year, like my first stock of the year, like I almost put too much emphasis or I've been thinking about it too much. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, uh, I get a little bit nervous stalking or, you know, my feet don't quite place right. And I am like a little shakier, a little bit adrenaline filled. It seems like getting into bow range a couple times, making a couple stalks, it just seems yep. to get normal for me. And then, then I'm in my routine for the rest of the season, you know, and I, I can, I can yep. keep calm in those moments, but I do like, uh, I think, you know, I also get a dose of adrenaline when I find a big buck through the scope, like all of a sudden I'm looking through the scope and it's like, I'm. I'm shaking or shivering a little bit. I'm like, man, it's not that cold. I don't think I'm shivering from the cold. <laughs> like I'm shivering from that adrenaline rush I'm getting through finding that buck through the scope, knowing I'm going to get a chance or an opportunity. But um, you're right. Like when you get to stay focused in that stock or in that moment and make those decisions, man, I mean, that's what I live for. That's what I absolutely love about bow hunting. The funnest part for me or any hunting is making those plays, trying to make those you know, all those decisions that add up to getting a shot and being able to put a perfect arrow in them. I love that challenge, you know? And so like being immersed in that, yeah, I, I get rid of that adrenaline rush pretty fast, but it seems like the first hunt of the year, I still get a little nervous. And I was, you know, this year was good. You know, I had bear season able to, to kill an arrow, a nice boar. And then I did a Hawaii trip like in July that really got me ready for season. So by the time, you know, August rolled around and I'm mule deer hunting, it's like, I've made so many stocks and been in bow range of so many animals. Like it just almost seems normal for me, you know, but, um, yeah, every, every once in a while it'll grab a hold of me though, where I can't even quite place my foot because I'm shaking, you know, it's like, God, get a hold yeah. of yourself, man. Yeah, I, you know, when I was a kid, um, this is what really, like, made me love bow hunting so much. Um, when I was a kid, it was the first archery hunt I ever went on. It was with my dad, and we, it was the first archery hunt we, like, we had ever done in Arizona, and my dad did a little bit of archery hunting back east um, before I was born, but we decided to try the bow thing out, and uh, went out there, you know, and, and I mean, I think we saw, we ran into like three or four bucks the first evening we were out hiking around, which was so far removed from what we were used to. We, I, you, usually we were, we were hunting in October rifle season and seeing a buck for us was like a big deal. Like, holy crap, there's a buck, you know? 
it was usually all does, but during this rut, it was the first time we did that. And, you know, we found this great buck and found a great trail that he was using this fence line. So we got in there early the next morning and we were sitting up and up against a tree, you know, and, uh, sure enough, man, right when the sun starts coming up, the buck starts working his way. You start seeing his antlers come up over the horizon. It was, it was incredible looking, you know, like a magazine. And, uh, that deer walked right at me. I think I was 14 or something, something like that. You know, that deer walked right at me. And I, I remember seeing, he had this gray patch on his, on his back. And I remember seeing his breath in the cold air he walked past me at 10 yards and i i almost i feel like i forgot i had a bow sitting in my lap (laughs) you know what i mean like my dad was like why didn't you shoot him and i was like yeah i I don't know (laughs) (laughs) it was just you know and uh, and like from that i was like holy crap i that i need more of that that you know that and uh that so that's kind of what did it for me for with bow hunting just being that close and they kind of take hold of you, you know, after, but, but like you were saying, after you do it for a bit, you know, you kind of get used to it and, and get, you know, um, are able to negotiate your way through the nerves and stuff. But it's, I mean, there's nothing like it. Yeah. I love when you're, um, like, it's almost like a, like a flow state. Like when you get a chance at an animal and you're on a stock and you're thinking and theorizing and what's your approach and where's your footfalls, what's the wind doing? Like, um, I love being immersed in that moment. Like they're like some of my favorite moments in life. Like I just, I absolutely love like that test. And those, the those critters, their instincts are so keen. And there's a a million wrong decisions you can make, and you get busted, and the whole thing's over. And you know, I still mess up stocks, or I still make mistakes here or there. But God, I love being in that flow state of when you're just thinking and reacting, or like you were saying on those coos rut, how you don't wait for them to bed, you just work into them and you yep. adapt to the situation which you're given, and so you're relying upon your instincts to pick up those deer before they pick up you, to to come over ridge lines and to see them first. But I just love that that flow state that sometimes you know it only lasts for 15 minutes on the stock, but sometimes it's hours of making moves, like on elk, like as you're moving. With with the herd and coyoting the herd and trying to get a chance at that bull. Like I, I love being in that, being in that element and being in that moment and being able to try to make those moves to put me into range. Like to me, there's just nothing funner. No. And I think, you know, that's something that, uh, I think somebody has to like learn on their own, you know, like, like you and I, like we, you know, we were, we both write and stuff like that. And, um, write articles on bow hunting and hunting and everything. And, and people, what I've noticed, like we live in this like instant gratification world, right? Like if we want something, we just get it. And hunting is just not like that. Right. Um, and people want this like formula of, okay, what do I do in order to get the deer? Well, sometimes, <laughs> Like you were saying, like it's a lot of things all all added up together and you kind of have to sometimes you just kind of have to go with the flow of things, you know, and the only way to get good at that is to have those at bats, you know, and um, I notice I've noticed like a lot of new bow hunters like out here. I usually try to go out with, with a few new guys every year during January and stuff, but 
um, they usually end up talking themselves out of a lot of stocks. Um, and I don't like I maybe they're scared of failing. I don't really know. Or they're they're kind of uncomfortable and they don't really know what they're doing. That's probably a, a factor, too. But like you have to go mess up because that stuff is going to teach you what to do and what not to do, like knowing things like what what is, you know, quieter to step on than other things and and you know using brush lines and shadows and everything like the only way you're gonna like you can sit there and like read about that stuff all you want but like when you're in the moment like and and using your instincts to like move through a stock you can only learn that by doing um i feel and uh you know those stocks where you have to like just go with the flow those are my favorite man and i feel like it's most of them right like there's always like you always kind of got to use your instincts but those like what you're talking about with like coos deer and stuff like that that's some of my favorite type of hunting where it's like okay where well, i'm just going to get over to this point here and if they go this way you know i'm just going to play it by ear you know and see what happens that's hunting right like that's exactly what a mountain lion does <laughs> dude it's spot on like you um so well described like you you always have to adapt to the situation you're given even if you have a buck bedded and you plotted your whole stock to this rock and you're going to shoot him from there you're going to get over there and it's going to look different you're going to have to adapt to that situation you're going to come up and over like i was on a really good buck the other day that i thought i'd shoot right in his bed uh two weeks ago and i got over the top of this bench where i thought i'd shoot him and all I could see was his horns. I couldn't see his body. Like all of a sudden now you need to adapt to this situation you're given. And you're right. Like uh, uh, experience is the best teacher. And really it's the only teacher. Like we're in the information day and age. And what's nice is that, you know, you can read. You're a great writer, by the way. I love your writing, your book. Um, uh, what's your book called again, Josh? It's called Becoming a Backpack Hunter. Yeah, it's a great book. You're a great writer. And I think you can shorten Thanks. the learning curve this way. Like, I think you can listen to these podcasts. I think you can read these books. I think uh, read these articles. I think you can shorten your learning curve and know more what to expect. But yep. you, you can't take out the experience factor. Experience is everything. Like uh, experience will teach you. And then now you, you use those things that you've learned or that you've thought about. Now you get to put those in play and see how they work. And we all have to develop our own styles of hunting, whether you know we're, we're really patient or we're really aggressive or a mix and match of those uh, of the moves we're going to make and the situations we're looking for. But there's, there, there's no substitute for experience. Experience is the absolute ultimate you have to get out there and you got to go for it and you got to make mistakes like i i tell people too like um you know, see the success I have with a bow and arrow. The only reason I'm more successful is I've failed more than most guys. I've made every mistake <laughs> under the sun. I have messed up every different stock from uh, every different shot. I have messed up on giant bulls, giant bucks. So don't feel like you're alone out there when you get a chance at a giant buck and you mess it up. I've done that 10 times, probably 100 times, you know? Like, I have failed a bunch. But through those failures, you learn. Through that experience, you learn. And you you hone these instincts, you know? And you, you get really keen in the forest. Like, now, all of a sudden, my decision-making, I've got, you know— a thousand different stocks to draw from and I don't have to think about all of them it just goes into this like natural decision making these instincts of trusting myself what to do what's right and what's wrong when I feel it's time to go all in and you're right like new hunters 
they do a lot of second guessing. They're looking for this perfect situation, and then they're thinking, no, this isn't it, or no, this is it, or I should do this, but no, I can't do that, or I, you know, there's all this guessing whether they they're right or whether they're wrong, and really. Mm-hmm. You just got to go in and mess it up. Like you got to just yep. go in and try. You got to go in and hunt. Give yourself a chance in there, and you're gonna mess up a bunch. But eventually, you're gonna start to hone those instincts where you make good decisions, and it's gonna come together for you. And when it comes together, and and, and comes together time after time, and you fail time after time, like this all just goes into building this this hunting skill set to where now you know when I get a chance at a big critter, like. You know, he's he's probably in trouble because I've got all this experience making stocks that I've honed my instincts to a place where I make really good decisions and, and I know, you know, I can execute my shot when I get in there close. But but this all comes from, you know, 25 years of committing myself to bow hunting and also being out there as much as possible. Like I bow hunt all the way from, you know, pretty much year round at this point when you count bear season. But at least, you know, six, eight months out of the year, I'm, I'm bow hunting something. And and my skill set comes from all this experience. That's where my instincts get sharpened. And you just can't you can't read that or listen to it. You can shorten the learning curve, but you got to put it into play. You got to put it into practice. So, man, you couldn't be more spot on yeah i think all the content is really good you know for perspective and it i think it it's also super inspiring you know like i dude i know when i listen to you talk about bow hunting even when you're solo oh dude i'm ready to rock after that man i'm so i'm so in it like i'm ready to go out i'm fired up to go hunting but um you know being afraid of failing like i have like there's a buddy that i take out i've been taking out the past few years new bow hunter um the guy really wants to he, he's yet to arrow his first animal he's missed a few um which I, I i told him i'm like well that's that's how it should be you, you can't just go waltzing out there you know putting it through the lungs on the first go you know you gotta screw up <laughs> you know and um uh he really wants to be good at, at the bow hunting thing. And I'm like, but he, but he, but he doesn't like, he's not willing to like dedicate himself to it a hundred percent yet, which is fine. That's okay. But the point is what I'm trying to get at here is if you want to be good at something, you will. It's just because if you want to, and you dedicate yourself to it, then at that time, it's just a matter of time. For, like it might be longer than, than you want it might happen quicker but you like if you just put the pedal to the metal and like be like no this is what i want to do you know and i'm going to enjoy it you know just enjoy the entire journey through your bow hunting ex- you know uh experience or rifle hunting whatever it is like you're gonna eventually get good at it you just have to keep doing it and and i think you know looking at at failing quote unquote failing as like uh, lessons instead of failing. I think that, that is, you know, like you said, they're dry. They drive you, you know, when you mess up, it's like, okay, well, when I, when I screwed up, I just got another piece of the puzzle rather than looking at it as, oh, dang it. You know what I mean? Like it's a bummer, right? But you also, you, 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 now you have this piece of Intel that you didn't have before, which is going to get you closer to your end goal. So, Man, that's great perspective. You're so right. Like, um, 
yeah, I, you have to fall in love with the process, not the results. Like, and it's easy yep. in today's day and age to want those big bucks and those big bulls and to want to uh, uh, feel the success and post them on Instagram. But, but that's not where it's at. Where it's at is falling in love with the process, falling in love with bow hunting, and then going mm-hmm. deep down the rabbit hole mm-hmm. of all these different facets of your stalking, your shooting, your physical fitness, your e-scouting, your finding locations. Like, it's falling in love with each piece of that puzzle and working hard on it and you're absolutely right like if you want it bad enough it'll happen like it's just a matter of time and and like you say maybe it'll come quicker maybe it'll come later but but uh where it is is like just um falling in love with the process falling in love with bow hunting or falling in love with hunting and then you just start working at it and dedicating time towards it and and all of a sudden all this time adds up to building your hunting skill set and and you know like you said in today's day and age everybody wants everything instant bow hunting's just not instant you know it takes it takes years to to hone your craft to be consistently successful to be proficient you know it takes years and and you have to fail and it's a it's a difficult journey and it's going to hurt along the way but it's going to make that success sweeter in the end and if you just keep working on that process and you want it bad enough you will become a great bow hunter no doubt about it yeah no 100 percent, man it's uh you got to have perspective is everything you know um it's amazing what what a con like a simple conversation with somebody will do for you you know mentally take you right out of your <clears throat> your uh pile of failure sadness bowl or whatever <laughs> like <laughs> it gets you right back out there uh ready to rock so dude that's it well you got to be stoked for this elk hunt i do think that's such a unique opportunity down there in arizona to hunt really good units and um hunt giant bulls so you know these units you can't draw you got to be stoked man Oh yeah, dude, it's it's awesome. It and it's not to mention like the time of year. So you guys are probably pretty chilly up there right now, I'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's frigid. <laughs> yeah, so like um I'm gonna be looking at a, a uh a very brisk uh mid thirties for the low. And <laughs> And uh, probably in the 60s during the day. So the weather's great usually this time of year, you know. Um, uh, so I, you know, and you can, you know, so this hunt here, uh, popular tactics for this hunt, you know, a lot of people kill bulls over water, sit in water sources. Bulls are usually like all drained out from the rut and stuff. They're tired. They get, the, you know, they're they're holding up in these like nasty holes um and not moving a whole lot so usually when you find a bull you you can pretty much throw a blanket on him because he's not going to go far um but elk need water right so like that that's like a great way to to shoot a bull um and then but i just you know i really love the spot and sock thing i think it's great it reminds me it's kind of like my comfort zone you know because i do so much hunting in in december and january for the deer and stuff and that's I just love that, you know, getting up high, you know, grabbing a vantage point and glassing and, and, you know, whether you bet them down or not, um, just making moves on them and stuff. And, you know, I, I'm hunting down in the desert of Arizona, so it's even more unique. Um, there's not a, you know, there's no pine trees or anything. It looks like, like, like coyote javelina country where I'm hunting. So, <laughs> man, that's wild. Yeah. Um, 
Dude, so crazy. Yeah, good weather, which allows you to be able to be patient. Yeah, I love the spot yeah. and stock game as well. It's my favorite game to play. Um, but those elk, they tighten up their programs that time of year. They're they're tough to find post-rut. They're going to be running solo or bachelor herding up or like you saw some with the cows the other day. So it must be still a little post-rut going on. But uh, they're, yeah. they're going to get in these holes, you know, these these basins where they don't get bothered. And so you got to be pretty diligent at covering country, getting away from the roads, using your glass, and then also like just just hiking like deep into these pockets and then looking first and last light. Do you is is that kind of what you find down there? Now I'm comparing it to my post rut hunting, but I've never hunted Arizona down there. But is that what it kind of seems like? Yeah, so um what I've noticed with the whole c- the the cows thing is like <clears throat> usually the herd bull the herd bulls will usually have some cows with them during this hunt, but everything else um, is usually bachelored up or they're solo. Um, like I saw the other day, <clears throat> you know, I saw a, uh, just a like a solo raghorn, you know, hanging out by himself. And then I saw, you know, a big six point and he had like 10 cows with him. And that's pretty, that's been pretty consistent with, uh, this hunt I've done in the past, you know, I've helped buddies on it. I've, I think I've been on this hunt now for three or four years in a row, whether it was me having the tag or somebody I knew, and that's usually what happens. And, and, um, when you do find them though, like last year I found a great bull, um, at last light and the next morning he was probably 10 feet to the right of where he was the previous night. You know, he's just, they're just not covering a ton of country. Um, and they do get, get held up in these nasty pockets and you so so covering country like if you're not seeing anything during this hunt like if you set up and you glass you're not seeing anything you need to move because they're not there like you know what i mean like elk elk stand out pretty well you know what i mean they're not like it's not like the gray ghost you know (laughs) yeah um but uh they're just not they're not covering a lot of ground and stuff but if you get into an area that what another thing i've noticed like if you if you're hunting kind of a transition area um, where they're kind of transitioning to their wintering ground, uh, which is kind of like this area I'm hunting. I've noticed throughout the hunt that more bulls will show up as the hunt goes on as like, you know, maybe, maybe up North gets like a snowstorm or something like that. And it pushes them down a little bit. Right. Um, I'm, there's like a wilderness, <clears throat> nasty wilderness right around where I'm hunting that elk will summer in. But then they'll come down out of that for the winter. So it, so it's very weather dependent, too, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Um, and so you can have more and more bulls filter into areas as the hunt is going on. So, Oh, man. Um, sounds like a riot. Like the the only thing you don't have is you don't have the, the bugling. But, you know, you, you've got uh, – you use your eyes, which, you know, you being an Arizona guy, you guys are really good with your glass and tripoding up your binos. And not that you need to for elk. Like you say, they stand out pretty good, those bleach blonde bodies. But – um, yeah, hunting them late season, I think, is all about the glass, all about putting your eyes on them and seeing them and then making moves from there. And I know, like, around here, we get into our general rifle season this time of year, and so they've got five weeks uh, with rifles that they can go hunt all our bulls on this public, and there's, like, 19,000 non-residents, and I'm in one of the most popular um, uh, drainages to go hunt elk, you know, and so... um these bulls get really crafty at hiding, you know, this time of year. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, there's a bunch of good bulls. When I killed 
my bull late in the bow season, you know, like uh, I caught some of that weather too. We caught a huge snowstorm and able to kill that bull. And there was a bunch of good bulls around on every feature, but boy, you sure don't see many of them right now. They're the snow receded and they're back just hiding in these holes, you know, where they can survive and timber up yep. and they use shoots and slides. And so they definitely tighten up their program a bit from the rut, but dude, you ought to have an absolute riot, man. Sounds like a fun hunt. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited, man, especially, so this year has been, uh, I don't know about you guys, but <clears throat> we've had a lot more moisture this year than than last year um we had just a killer monsoon season it's been great um as opposed to last year last year i think was one of the driest years we've ever had in arizona (laughs) so yeah um so this hunt last year i saw this area i'm hunting i usually see there's usually like a half a dozen bulls walk around the area at the beginning of the hunt and then more will come in towards the end but like there was one and that was because there was water there there wasn't a lot of water you know so you had to you know you kind of had to go find greener pastures but this year and during my scouting last year i didn't see any bulls and this year i've i you know i've i've seen bulls now like early on so they're already in there um, so I think it's going to be a good hunt, man. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be great. So dude, that's super cool. Well, um, that bear hunt you were talking about, don't you have a video out on YouTube with that bear hunt? Yeah. Yeah. I just finished a film. It's called endearment. Uh, it's on my YouTube channel. If you just, you just search dialed in hunter, uh, it, it's called endearment. Um, kind of just walks you through my fall bear season, you know, here in Arizona, it's a, it's a hunt that I just really love, man. Just that October bear season is kind of what I cut my teeth on bear hunting here. Um, it's just a good time to be out, you know. It's like it's like that time of year. I mean, we our summers are just so brutal here, and uh, once we get into that October, especially you head up north a little bit, you know, you're starting to feel that like little bit of crispness in the air, right? And it's kind of like, oh man, that feels good, you know. <laughs> The leaves are starting to change, and it's just a good time. The bears are fat at that time of year, um, just getting ready for winter time and stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's called endearment. Um, it's a good hunt, man. Goes through, you know, I backpack into a spot, come out, meet up with a good friend, just kind of reflect on on life and the hunt, this hunt I've had in the past and stuff. And you know, we end up coming out with a really good bear. So. Dude, it's a great bear. Uh, super cool. I got to check out that video. Um, but I really enjoy all your content. Dialed in Hunter on Instagram too, right? Yep, yep. Yep. Um, and I really enjoy like these conversations I have with you. Like we got to do this more often. Um, this is great. Like you said, uh, getting motivation from um, conversations or, or content. Like I definitely get that talking to you. You have such great insight and perspective on, on hunting. And um, I love that you're in a different part of the country. You're all the way south and I'm all the way north. Uh, but somehow our, our tactics still align. You know, we're still able to find common ground in our, in our hunting. Um, but man, I, I really appreciate you and enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, Josh. Oh, yeah, no problem, Brian. Yeah, likewise, dude. I, I, I'm i telling you what, when I'm driving, making long drives to, to hunting camp, you know, you, Brian Barney is usually coming through my speakers because I'm getting all jacked up, ready to go chase something. <laughs> well, well, thanks a bunch, man. And uh, make sure to check out your book as well. Uh, it's just a great book. You're a great writer. And also uh, a bunch of articles that you publish. Um, who do you usually get your articles published by? 
Um, I try to I try to write for as many people as I can, but the 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 mainstays for me, I write I do a lot of writing for Go Hunt, um, Exo Mountain Gear, Wilderness Athlete. Um, those are kind of the main gear junkie do a little bit on gear junkie and stuff too so and then there's my website dialedinhunter.com um but yeah yeah do a little print cool. stuff here and there yeah so western hunter cool. yep yep good for you dude all right well thanks again we'll talk soon and uh good hunting on that elk hunt all right thanks man okay all right guys that's a wrap yeah, fun, in-depth conversation with Josh. Uh, such a cerebral hunter where he really thinks through things and thinks through his, his game plan and objective. And um, I just love being able to break it down with um, you know similar minds out there that, that, that think similar to the way I do or even different from the way I do, but uh, have a thought process and then willing to sit down and discuss it. So, yeah, just a great episode. Uh, really enjoy Josh. Make sure to check out his book. And uh, everything he's de- he does, his writing, uh, social media is great. And um, the guy's constantly going for it and uh, constantly has a good attitude. So I really appreciate that guy. And uh, make sure to check out everything we've got going on at Eastman's. Also check out our sponsors. Uh, uh, sponsors for the show, uh, again, are Onyx and then Cutter Stabilizers. I uh, really like that Earl Stroll. i got to give him a shout today and catch up to him. But um, just a great guy building great products. And, um, man, with that, just, uh, uh, trying to get back into the upper body routine too. uh, been getting my miles in here, uh, missed the runs last couple days, but I'll get in a good one today. Uh, but just trying to get back to that, uh, that lifting that upper body and, um, strengthening my back and, um, uh, all that necessary stuff to carry a pack, but just kind of getting back into the routine as it's been hunting season here. And, um, you know, I've definitely missed some upper body workouts, but back to it here. Uh, get myself in shape and uh, ready for next season and um, just super excited at at the opportunities out there and the adventures a guy can have and um, so yeah just getting my work done and podcast recording and finally not running by the seat of my pants hunting season gets a little busy uh, but but captured some uh, great video and um, uh, great content great photos I can't uh, wait to release to you guys so yeah we'll um we'll start putting that content out there but uh thanks to you guys for all the support of the podcast i sure appreciate you um gosh we just had a uh, uh, great downloads throughout hunting season um set new records uh we had a new download record in uh, august and then broke it in september and then broke it in october uh set a record for the year for downloads and um it just makes me so happy to to uh play a small play a small part in your guys' success or maybe just entertain you on the way to your hunts, but, uh, means the world to me for sure. And, and just the support of, of really good guys. Um, I sure appreciate, appreciate the messages and, um, I enjoy sharing in your guys' success and enjoy seeing you guys be successful. Uh, there's so much opportunity out there and, um, so many great places to be discovered and great hunting to be had. And, um, I just love it so much. Every fiber of my being, just like you guys. And um, so it sure is fun to share this podcast with you. So um, thanks, you guys. I appreciate it. Uh, Also, if you get a chance, um, uh, like and comment. uh, Share the podcast. Uh, You can uh, uh, subscribing to it really helps me out. And so uh, all those things, um, I don't take them lightly, and I really appreciate them. So uh, thanks, guys. With that, I'll check in with you next week.